Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Cameron. <laughs> and who are you? I'm Dan. <laughs> I think I we're doing who this third guy is. <laughs> I'm Greg. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, last week we heard about finally met the the last of the lords and the queens of the Valar and we're about to learn who the Maiar are. With the Valar came other spirits whose being also began before the world of the same order as the Valar but of less degree. These are the Maiar, the people of the Valar and their servants and helpers. Their number is not known to the elves, and few have names in any of the tongues of the children of Iluvatar. For though it is otherwise in Amman, in Middle-earth the Maiar have seldom appeared in form visible to elves and men. Chief among the Maiar of Valinor, whose names are remembered in the histories of the Elder Days, are Ilmare, the Handmaid of Varda, and Ianwe the banner-bearer and herald of Manwe, whose might in arms is surpassed by none in Arda. But of all the Maiar, Ose and Winnen, Uinen are best known to the children of Iluvatar. Ose is a vassal of Ulmo, and he is master of the seas that wash the shores of Middle-earth. He does not go in the deeps, but loves the coasts and the isles, and rejoices in the winds of Manwe. For in storm he delights, and laughs amid the roaring of the waves. His spouse is Uinen, the Lady of the Seas, whose hair lies spread through all waters under sky. All creatures she loves that live in the salt streams, and all weeds that grow there, to her mariners cry for she can lay calm upon the waves, restraining the wildness of Ose. The Numenorians lived long in her protection and held her in reverence equal to the Valar. Melkor hated the sea, for he could not subdue it. It is said that in the making of Arda, he endeavored to draw Ose to his allegiance, promising to him all the realm and power of Ulmo if he would serve him. So it was that long ago there arose great tumults in the sea that wrought ruin in the lands. But Winnen, Uinen, and the prayer of Aule restrained Ose and brought him before Ulmo. And he was pardoned and returned to his allegiance, to which he has remained faithful. For the most part, for the delight in violence has never wholly departed from him, and at times he will rage in his willfulness without any command from Ulmo, his lord. Therefore, those who dwell by the sea or go up in ships may love him, but they do not trust him. Malian was the name of Amaya, who served both Vana and Este. She dwelt long in Lorien, tending the trees that flower in the gardens of Irmo, ere she came to Middle-earth. 
Nightingale sang about her wherever she went. Wisest of the Maiar was Aloran. He too dwelt in Lorien, but his ways took him often to the house of Nienna, and of her he learned pity and patience. Of Melian, much is told in the Quenta Silmarillion, but of Aloran, that tale does not speak. For though he loved the elves, he walked among them unseen. For in form as one of them, and they did not know whence came the fair visions or the promptings of wisdom that he put into their hearts. In later days, he was the friend of all the children of Iluvatar and took pity on their sorrows. And those who listened to him awoke from despair and put away the imaginations of darkness. Of the Enemies Last of all is set the name of Melkor, he who arises in might. But that name he has forfeited, and the Noldor, who among the elves suffered most from his malice, will not utter it. And they name him Morgoth, the dark enemy of the world. Great might was given to him by Iluvatar, and he was coeval with Manwe. In the powers and knowledge of all the other Valar he had part, but he turned them to evil purposes and squandered his strength in violence and tyranny. For he coveted Arda and all that was in it, desiring the kingship of Manwe and dominion over the realms of his peers. From splendor, he fell through arrogance to contempt for all things save himself, a spirit wasteful and pitiless. Understanding, he turned to subtlety in perverting to his own will all that he would use until he became a liar without shame. He began with a desire of light, but when he could not possess it for himself alone, he descended through fire and wrath into a great burning, down into darkness. And darkness he used most in his evil works upon Arda, and filled it with fear for all living things. Yet so great was the power of his uprising, that in ages forgotten he contended with Manwe and all the Valar, and through long years in Arda held dominion over most of the lands of the earth. But he was not alone. For of the Maiar, many were drawn to his splendor in the days of his greatness, and remained in that allegiance down into his darkness. And others he corrupted afterwards to his service with lies and treacherous gifts. Dreadful among these spirits were the Valarakar, the scourges of fire that in Middle-earth were called the Balrogs, demons of terror. Among those of his servants that, that have names, the greatest spirit whom the Eldar called Sauron, or Gorthar the Cruel. In his beginning, he was of the Maiar of Aule, and he remained mighty in the lore of that people. In all the deeds of Melkor, the Morgoth upon Arda, in his vast works and in the deceits of his cunning, Sauron had a part.
and was only less evil than his master in that for long he served another and not himself. But in after years he rose like a shadow of Morgoth and a ghost of his malice and walked behind him on the same ruinous path down into the void. Here ends the Valaquenta. So my question is, does anyone identify with Melkor? <laughs> He's not a very is he a sympathetic <laughs> character? I love how evil evil is in Tolkien's writings. That's it's, yeah. it's so well described. Yeah. I mean it's I mean it's purely satanic, right? It's <coughs> um he is the the Satan of this world. And I think even in not just Christianity, but in, in other religions you have this sort of mythical character that represents a form of evil um in this and in christianity it's personified in in a in a being that is um started off beautiful and ended up like beyond ugly like went to ugly and then crossed the line um he yeah. who's trying to get the light the like um you know the light which was beyond him but what i think his uh his downfall was the the pride he had to have dominion over everything so it's interesting that the valar have um dominion over certain things mm -hmm. and they have limitations so like <laughs> last week it uh made me laugh because um i think it was tulkas who like only thinks about today and like he doesn't think about yesterday or tomorrow and he's not a counselor right <laughs> he's like right. a fighter he's running around faster than anything like his weapons are his hands um so these valar have limitations and they're limited to their dominion what 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 they have lordship over but melkor or morgoth wanted everything he wanted to have dominion over everything yeah, let's address that one line that you read out that um, might sound confusing if you're not reading along. Uh, great might was given to him, that's Morgoth, by Iluvatar, and he was co-eval with... Co-eval, yeah, how do you yeah. say that? I, I don't know how it said, but <laughs> it sounded <laughs> like he was being co-evil. Like, like they, they, <laughs> Manway is actually secretly evil, plot twist. Um, no. Wait, I thought he was good. Oh, I guess he's evil. Um, no, it just means that like they, they have the same age. They they're contemporaries. They're they're brothers um, in might. Yeah, they're like brothers in might. They were they were conceived in this in the same era and um have, yeah, have they're the same equivalent sort of power. Yeah. And yeah, so just to clear that up right out the bat I'm like I'm glad you did that. <laughs> just in case it's confusing isn't it anyone. isn't it cool that we met sauron yeah like, that was so cool Balrogs. it's like okay so i i love telling people that like okay the big bad of lord of the rings there is a bigger and a badder in yeah. the silmarillion and that, yeah. that was such a good hook for me it's like sauron is just a lieutenant of morgoth i think i like, i forget that very often and think that they're the same pe person that they are both the big evil and in a way they are but they're different big evils like morgoth is the ultimate and um sauron is just a minion 
And the that Sar I love this line that Sauron wasn't as evil because of one thing that he served another except for himself. Hmm. So Sauron serving Morgoth. Oh, what a good like, guy. Okay, there's there's one little <laughs> just a guy trying to make it in the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one redeeming quality of Sauron, it's that he served another. He was he was underneath another, but Morgoth was just always for himself since since the beginning. Okay, so the Maya and the Maya. Yeah. This, yeah, I the, think I think the word you said is helpful, Cameron, just now is helpful in understanding what and who they are. They're kind of like the lieutenants of the Valar, right? They're they're second in command to them. And what I find really interesting in their description in this reading is they kind of share these characteristics, right? They they're part of their Valar's dominion in a certain sense. So the two big ones that it mentioned are Osa and Uinen, Uinen, who both um, are vassals of Ulmo. So they kind of have this connection with the sea too, right? They, I love that word, vassal. I, I yeah. don't know why. It's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, it was interesting to see how they capture even more specific elements of their their Valar's dominion. So, but I I um I really like how it described them. It's particularly um, Osa Osa was the one who he's the one right that um, was tempted by yes yeah by Melkor and and kind of left his service left the service of Ulmo for a time. And he was wait wait where's that where's that sorry I how did I miss that bit did we it's read like it? halfway no, through no, the of the Maiar section wait right what? so he so he um, failed in his allegiance and served Melkor for a time but he was brought back to proper allegiance and I thought that this was a pretty interesting thing about him it, it mentioned that um, after he returned he he remained faithful to Ilmo for the most part. Uh, but the delight in violence has never wholly departed from him. And that's that's why there's raging there's storms on the them. sea and things. You know, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's this violence that still is within him. And if and, Melkor can control the sea, like this thing that he can't control, then like, it makes sense that you try to manipulate or go after Ose, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's yeah. an interesting line about Ose is that as he so he went away, you know, tempted by Melkor, but um, Uinen, who was his spouse, at the prayer of Aule, so one of the Valar, restrained Ose and brought him back before Ulmo. So yeah, it, you do get this kind of chain of command, and I love that it's the it's the spouse who restrains him and brings that's him back. beautiful okay wait help me understand this do i understand correctly that osei basically has command of the sea through his you know he's he's a he's a uh, he's a master of the seas that wash the shores of middle earth so think of like the the surface of the sea is yeah. how i view him like the storms that rage on the sea and like the shores so he has that but uh, melkor can't control it right he can't subdue it it says yeah um uh, but osei to a certain extent has authority over at least part of it right it's like mm -hmm. ulmo has authority over the sea 
And yeah. Osei is one of his lieutenants. Yeah, so one part of the sea. Yeah. But the beauty of it is just that Melko hates the sea because he can't subdue it. He tries to subdue Osei. He can't subdue Osei. But guess what? Osei's sp spouse, right? It's Osei's spouse yeah. that can subdue Osei. Yeah. Right. It's like an insult to Melkor's <laughs> power even more. Right. Um, and also just that that theme of sea, right, in, in our in in our in humanity like it's always been a symbol of chaos right mm -hmm. it's a chaotic element um and it's kind of it shows the limit of melkor because even he does not have control over chaos mm. and he can't command uh chaos and that's probably why he's pissed off by it but he can add to the chaos but he can't command it and so even even now we're seeing a limitation, multiple limitations to his power. Can't control the sea, chaos. He can't control, uh, and that comes out in Lord of the Rings, obviously when um, the ring is destroyed, and obviously Melkor would like Sauron to get hold Spoiler of it. Spoiler alert! Sorry. Spoiler alert! Very good. <laughs> he can't control chaotic elements. He can't control uh, the Maya or the Valar, and he can't control even other people influencing. Uh, the Maya, which is, we're seeing a big limitation to his power. So he's not all that. He's not. That's he's right. Not that cool. <laughs> he's kind of cool. It seems like, like it's sort of cool because he does. He's like, he does... he's like a cool, you know, dark, moody kind of like <laughs> teenager. Yeah, <laughs> teenager. Yeah, I mean, well, he does have influence on the Maya, right? Because yeah. some of the some of he has his own that have followed him into darkness. But even then, it seems that. It's it's a it's incomplete. His power is definitely incomplete. It's interesting. He promised him the, all the realm and power of Ulmo, so he's trying to he's trying to get dominion over everything, and it seems like an empty promise. Yeah, it reminds me of when Satan tempted Christ, saying like, "I'll give you everything, everything the light touches." <laughs> Different mood. <laughs> Um, but actually, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seemed like an empty promise that he would, would be able to give him the realm of Ulmo or maybe, yeah. maybe Melkor was also planning on turning Ulmo. Hmm. Okay. So Maya are these sort of vassals of the Aina, right? And no, that's the Aina, the Valar, Valar. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we find we find this out in this book, right? Gandalf is is actually um, of the division of the Maya. Yep, I think it's but, I think it's towards the end of the book. Oh, okay, cool. But he is part of this chapter. Uh, he yeah. is Oloran, right? Oh, oh, I thought he was. Um, that's awesome. I mean, he uh, is Mithrandir, but he is, Mithrandir. is he also... That's also... another name. Those are all names, yes. Oh, okay. So, so, so we... he's actually touched... I mean, this is about as much Ooh. as he's talked about in the in the Silmarillion um, until very close to the end. But I wanted to bring that up. I highlighted a little bit here, but um, I think there are a couple... Knowing that that's who it is, if you if you... Hopefully your mind is just blown if you didn't know. But now looking at it, you can kind of pull some things out from what you know My about him. Um, his ways took him off into the house of Nienna, who we just heard last episode. Um, she, she's the one who knows grief and mourning and dwells uh, in the gives, halls of Mandos. She gives endurance and hope, and she um, helps people's sorrow be transformed into wisdom. And so, of her, he learned pity and patience. And 
that is so much of who he is in the Lord of the Rings. That's so cool. He, yeah. He's like a student of her and he's <laughs> able to share that compassion. But also I love what it says here. Um, and kind of this last section about him, those who listened to him awoke from despair and put away the imaginations of darkness. And um, one of the things that prompted me to read the Silmarillion for the first time was a footnote in my copy of the Lord of the Rings, where it explained a bit about um, Gandalf's history, but he had, he actually possessed one of the elven rings of fire. And I love that contrast of Gandalf. He, he wields this fire. It just mentioned in here that uh, Morgoth, his desire for light led him down into fire and burning and into darkness eventually. But the fire that Gandalf wields is, is kind of like the good side of fire as we understand mm. it. It provides warmth and light mm. and it, it can be, you know, it can cast out darkness and that's kind of who he is. Um, those yeah, who think, listen to him so many from moments in, Sorry, to, sorry, Greg. No, no, Greg, go ahead. There's so many moments in Lord of the Rings. I think of Gandalf you know, casting out despair and darkness and inspiring yeah. hope yes. in the fellowship yep. or the hobbits. And my favorite moment of, of, and this is in the the film. I don't know if it's in the, the book, but it's when um, Gandalf and Pippin are behind that closed door and the trolls getting in at um, Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah. And it's like the end of all hope. And uh, Pippin is just like, facing death for the first time and you could say despairing he says mm -hmm. is this the end and then Gandalf says the end you know death is a yeah. path we must all take mm -hmm. um and he's he describes the shores you know beyond the sea which is flipping what we're reading about right now like the shores beyond um yeah where the you know the swift sunrise and you know I forget what uh, what else he says, but it also has the theme of into the West um, playing uh, again in the background. It just moves me to tears whenever I see that. And it's Gandalf who's learned from Nienna pity and patience and how to how to be with people in their sorrow, but say, "Hey, that's that's not the end." Like, let me tell you about these shores I've seen. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm so glad you said that greg about him being alone i just would not have got that like he's <laughs> it says he's wisest the maya right mm -hmm. um and that he loved the elves but walked among them unseen is he in spirit is lauren this like um spirit form of him yeah all the maya are spirits who take on a form so he becomes in not incarnate maybe incarnate or at least he presents himself as a physical form. So he walked among them unseen or in form as one of them. Does that right. mean he looked like Gandalf or he actually looked like, I guess, a fair skinned, non bearded, like, man? Well, I think, well, it, it mentions in the Lord of the Rings, I think, a few times that he, he just appeared to be an old man and often was just confused for, and I think Saruman as well. They were just seen. Mm -hmm. As oh, like yeah, an old yeah. man standing there, you know. Um, That's true. And uh, I think even part of how they're depicted in the films is a little bit based on um, a, a, a painting of Odin, like the Norse god, um, in like a, a human form as like an old man uh, or something like that. I may be making that up, but 
you can look into that later. Speaking yeah, of Saruman, he is a, he's a Maiar as well. And the Balrog. So it, when, when Gandalf faces down the Balrog oh, yeah. in the Mines of Moria, it's a Maiar versus a Maiar. And that's just so cool to think about. Even the, this old man standing toe-to-toe with this Balrog. Mm-hmm. That's also cool. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but just to be clear, like, Aloran right now is spirit form, and he takes the form of an elf, not an old man, but an elf at times, but otherwise just, like, has... Well, children of Iluvatar refers to men and elves. Is well, no, he says, says look, because before... Oh, it does? Because he said, for, for though he loved the elves... He walked among them unseen, or in form as one of them, and they did not know whence he came. Interesting. Like, Yeah, he must have, I mean, we know him as Gandalf in the Third Age, right? But he must have just come and gone at different times, right? And appeared however he wished to, you know, serve his purpose at that time. And and I, I, okay, I know we're running a little bit long, but that's an interesting point, too, that he, he like, stoked the flames of courage in the hearts of people Mm. as a peer, or as, you know... Not as a this powerful being coming before them, but he just met them as their own, and maybe a little bit mysterious. But um, that's kind of how he. Well, even the hobbits that... just view him as a crazy old fool. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> right. like a, a magician that like sets off fireworks right. and causes trouble. Like. But not with any kind of reverence. They don't give him any reverence, but the evil people do. Like whenever they see him, they like shit their pants. I'm not sure <laughs> I could say that on this podcast, but they do. <laughs> Cameron's going to have to get the bleep button. <laughs> I was thinking of what our bleep button could say. Like maybe it says a word on it. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an elven word we can uh, <laughs> Yeah, while you look that up, I'll, I'll wrap it out. Um, if you like what you hear, please give us those three Silmarils out of three. Three out of three, hundred percent, which is all. It translates to five stars for those of you who don't know the math. Um, that this joke about three Silmarils is going to be really funny when we get to that part of the book. Um, so go ahead and rate us three out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship, and send any comments or questions to Before the Fellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we continue to read the greatest story you've never heard. The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. 